guys, welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast and welcome to the last Q&A episode for 2017, which is pretty exciting. Huzzah. Woo! Uh, for those of you who are new to the show, I'm Molly Herford. I write about all things kind of fitness, movement, outdoor, adventure related. I run the OutdoorEdit.com and with my husband Peter, we co-host the Consummate Athlete. And I am Peter, Peter uh-huh. Glassford, and... Uh... I am a kinesiologist, uh, mostly working with endurance athletes, uh, mostly in Collingwood, Ontario, but we are all over the place. We've done clinics and talks uh, all over Canada and the North Americas. Mm-hmm. And actually, as of 12 hours ago, we're finally back on the East Coast. My internal clock hasn't quite caught up, but we're getting there. Yeah, we sort of had a, a fall of side projects, Molly managing the Aspire Racing team, and then uh, I was moonlighting is moonlighting a term yeah it's not like it's it, some offensive you're term. fine you're fine moonlighting as a, a mechanic uh, of sorts and, and sort of learning a bit more about bike mechanics and uh just sort of generally carrying heavy things around and driving vans so uh, that was fun we got to tour around europe and do a bunch of cyclocross races which largely involves walking around in mud and, and wearing a lot of coats yeah, I think we spent a fair amount of money on rain gear and rain boots while we, we were there. We had there. an interesting exchange on the plane. You have to fill out uh, the the like customs form, and so you have to claim stuff. And, and Molly wanted me to put 100 and I was like, we better put 300 uh, which isn't a lot. I mean, you have $800 each, so we were really arguing over nothing, but that's what you do. And, uh, yeah, it, it, I was like, we have bought a lot of rain pants and boots and, and accessories to try and, and ward off, like, standing in puddles all day. Yeah, but we bought them all from what might be our new favorite store in Europe. Yeah. It's this sporting goods store called Decathlon. It and... was pretty impressive. I mean, for the small retailer, it's it's a depressing store, but it, it's like, picture Walmart... But, picture but this... <laughs> only sports. It, like I guess in some ways it's a consummate athlete. I was store. just gonna say, picture this podcast as like a Walmart. Because it was there was horseback riding at the very back. I'm just thinking from the back of the store. But horseback riding, then like judo, tennis. There, there was like full aisles of trekking stuff for women and men, separate aisles, but Camping. with like full walls of boots, um, camping stuff, hunting stuff. All of your normal standard sports, like, you know, like track and field, basketball, baseball. They had handball and soccer, football, mm-hmm. uh, running, and then like The biking. bike section. <laughs> I was mad we paid 200 euros to ship a bike over and you could buy... And s- back, so 400 yeah, total. Yeah, and then you could buy these like bikes were pretty... Relative to airline fees, were relatively affordable. And for what you were doing over there, we didn't really need to have like a great bike. But, we but yeah, like bikes. actually, like a pretty operational like cycling mechanics, like you could take your bike in to get serviced in this place. And then yeah, they had like all sorts. Like you could buy Shimano drivetrains. Like, yeah. So for all Americans listening, Shimano. I guess our sorry, our main Shimano. point. Sorry for the Americans. I guess our main point here is if you are in Europe and you get a chance to check out a decathlon. Just do it, just for the sake of walking around it, because it's really cool. Yeah. So anyway, we have a bunch of questions. Some of them are sort of year-end things. Some of them are our usual questions from listeners. Um, and, and we'll, of course, link to everything. You know, there'll be lots of links in this one, so we'll link to those in the show notes uh, over at consummateathlete.com. But I think the first thing we want to talk about is actually our holiday challenge, as I'll call it. Right, so we'll we'll link to that, and you can find details at consummateathlete.com. I think that actually this post will sort of, this show notes will serve as the sort of main post, but it'll also be on Facebook. 
Um, and so we had this idea to sort of challenge everyone to do about 60 minutes of, of exercise, 500 minutes over that sort of holiday break. So that's from Christmas Eve through till New Year's Eve, eight days. So that's this Sunday to next Sunday, 500 yeah. minutes of movement. And, and rather than being, you know, you have to go out and ride your bike for 60 minutes or you have to do whatever, uh, it's really anything. So that could be going for a walk with your, your parents or your, your loved ones, your husbands. Um, you could walk your dog for 60 minutes a day. You could, you know, we're, we're planning, you know, a bit of a hockey tournament uh, at, at the, the Glassford family Christmas. I'm going to get my ass handed to me. Um, so, yeah, so there's lots of options, but the idea is to just keep moving through these busy holidays, you know, a time when maybe a lot of us end up, you know, in the couch or whatever, trying to encourage people, you know, just go out and, and do a walk and, and, you know, catch up with family or, or whatever, right? You know, soccer game, pick up hockey, whatever, whatever mm -hmm. you're into. Yeah. So you can find details, like Peter said, over on our show notes page for this episode. But we would really love it if you guys could be posting your adventures. I mean, either on our Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash consummate athlete, uh, or by just using the hashtag consummate athlete Christmas. And it's totally worth posting pictures because the best photos, posts, adventures, all that, uh, we'll actually get some prizes. So we've got some stuff from Noon, from Cliff Bar. We've got a copy of Fuel Your Ride and a copy of Saddle Sore. And we have a three-month training plan from Smart Athlete all up for grabs. So in the new year, we'll be kind of drawing prizes for that. So yeah, seriously, hashtag some crazy adventures the crazier the better i'd say yeah i mean it's gonna be eye-popping to get these these prizes for sure you know yeah something a different sport lots of people involved whatever yeah make it make it creative yeah so that's pretty exciting what are what are we gonna get up to some hockey some walks some yoga i really want to go bowling personally yeah i guess bowling would apply that's that works i mean it works for bad weather so sure. Maybe we can hit an indoor rock wall at some point. It's been a bit since we've been to one. Sure. So yeah, we've got a lot of plans coming up. Okay, so with that said, let's let's get in. We kind of wanted to start with a few of our favorites of 2017, I think, for this episode, since it is our last episode of the year. Yeah, so Molly, you really like reading. So what was your favorite book that you consumed this year? What a nerdy way to say that. Seemed kind of offensive. Um, this year, well, I started the Athletic Bookworms back in August to kind of give myself an excuse to read a bunch more. And that's actually been really fun. Uh, writing, you know, little mini reviews and talking to authors has been super sweet. I'd say my favorite of the year it has, I mean, if anyone's been listening to what I've been saying or seen what I've been writing, you guys probably can guess. It's Mindful Running by Mackenzie Havy. She's been on the podcast. I've written about it. That was one of our athletic bookworm choices. And I just thought it was such a good book about mindfulness. I'm looking right now at our 2017, well, my 2017 goals for the year uh, that I wrote last January. And I actually had mindfulness kind of on my list. And I am terrible at meditation. And even reading about that kind of stuff kind of puts me to sleep a little bit. So reading Mindful Running was a really good way for me to combine my need to be more mindful with, you know, the whole running thing that I'm already doing. And yeah, while we were in Europe, I did a bunch of runs without headphones in and it was really cool. I was so really that, happy that about it. that was one of the practical things in it was that like maybe if, you know, we don't listen to music the whole time, then you're maybe more engaged with that with that running process. 
Yeah, so definitely check out Mindful Running. And I know some people said they wanted to wait for the Kindle version to come out. It comes out on the 27th on Kindle. Awesome. So, yay, exciting. I know a lot of people are queuing up to read it in the new year. Yeah, it's funny. The headphone thing is really interesting. I know a lot of, like, I'll catch people, so to speak, uh, mountain biking, and, you know, they're, they're trying to improve their skills and stuff, but they're, they're always riding with music in, mm. uh, especially with some of the younger athletes, but I think we're all, all guilty of that. And, and it's tough because you're actually blocking your, your hearing, right? And, yeah. and for mountain biking especially, you know, but running even, you know, you're, you're breathing, you're you know, just your feet hitting the ground, the sound of sliding, like in mountain biking, you're always balancing your braking traction. Um, so if you don't hear those tires and, and the sound of them interacting with the ground, you don't really get that feedback and that learning that makes it automatic. So I, I think for a lot of people that mindfulness is actually, it's quite practical. It's not kooky at all. It's just, you know, when you're in that like performance domain, the thing you're trying to get better at, a lot of times that full engagement is what we're really looking for. But it doesn't occur to us that something as simple as that, you know, we, we always listen to music when we go for a run or ride. Yeah, so that's that's been super interesting for me and just kind of a good reminder. There's, you know, plenty in there that I'd already seen or read, but it was really good to be reminded of it. And Mackenzie's a great writer, so it's really enjoyable read. Great. All right, what about you? Uh, I really enjoyed, we had P- the Peak Performance gentleman on, uh, Steve Magnus and Brad, Brad Stolberg. And so that was a really good book. I thought that was, you know, it was a, a good read. There was a lot of practical takeaways, nothing super, you know, kooky or hacky in it. Um, a lot of the stuff about engagement and, and just sort of how to get better at whatever you're doing. So that's business or, or you know, some sort of sport. Um, and then the other book I really liked this year, we didn't have Dan John on yet, but someday, hopefully. Uh, Dan John is a strength coach and he has a lot of really good books and he is a tremendous writer. Um, so the one I really liked this year was there, do we have two there? We have two I really liked. Uh, so it's one is what now? And so it sort of covers what you do sort of after you've achieved a goal or you've gotten fit. You know, a lot of us maybe come from a place where, okay, we want to start training or we want to lose some weight, but then it's, you get to this point where it's like, what now? And so, you know, for me, I'm getting towards the end of my elite mountain bike career. Hopefully (laughs) a few more years left, I can hold on. Um, but you definitely get to a point and that's really the goal, right? Ultimately when we start is, you know, to get to that point where it's what now, you know, you've lost your five pounds, but what now? So that book deals with that and sort of dealing with training once you're, you know, relatively fit. And then he has another one on assessments, which is more probably interesting to like coaches, but you know, if you're anyone who's had injuries or is starting into a sport, you might find, can you go? Uh, by Dan John also really good. So we'll, we'll link to those in the show notes, uh, all three of those. Cool. All right. What was your favorite podcast episode that we did this year? So this is only for our podcast. Yeah, of course. Okay, this is a little biased. Well, you know, I Um, assume everyone's favorite podcast is going to be from ours. So this is the second year, I guess, second Mm -hmm. calendar year, maybe third calendar year technically, but second, you know, year of podcast. Um, The first year I was really nervous and excited when we interviewed Katie Bowman. So that was last year's this year i would say i had similar nervous and excitement and sort of like really got prepared and um for the talk with greg layman which was just recently and that was on sort of back pain um chronic pain but we also talked the first part of the interview is a lot of really fun stuff just about his pursuit of gymnastics um a bit about running and stuff so i think there's a lot of fun practical stuff you know inspirational for someone you know maybe in their 40s 50s 60s who wants to try and do a new sport because greg's doing he had a gymnastics a bit of background but he's still you know a 45 you know 40s he's in his 40s i should say uh 
you know, dad, you know, busy professional uh, who retook up gymnastics, right? And so, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of people are just trying to retake up some sort of exercise. So inspirational, but then I think some of his thoughts on chronic pain would, are really insightful that a lot of us maybe haven't been exposed to. Um, so I think it's really worth a listen. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah, that was a good one. I think pretty much every episode we've done since we started, I've gotten off the phone and looked at you and been like, wow, I really like that person. Or that was my favorite conversation. Uh, So it's really hard to narrow it down for for me. But I think this year, my favorite would have to be talking to Katerina Nash. We'd been wanting to have her on for forever. She's a you know, former professional XC skier turned XC mountain biker turned cyclocrosser. I've been interviewing her for a decade. So I feel like I, you know, have really followed, tracked her career for a lot of it. Um, She's on, you know, one of the coolest teams around. I love all of the women on her team and I love the team's management and everybody that runs the team and works with them is super cool. So getting to kind of interview her and figure out how she has managed to go five Olympic cycles and over two decades in sport uh, without burning out, without getting bored of it, and while still just being completely excited about it. I mean, she got fifth in Rio in the mountain bike, which is amazing. Right. Uh, in her fifth Olympic cycle. Um, so yeah, she has a ton of really good advice. It's not just about how to be super elite. It's also about, you know, how to just be a human and be invested in sport and stuff. Um, and we talked a lot about also just being a woman in sport and what that means. So even if you're not into XC mountain bike, uh, there's a lot of good stuff in here and just how she walks a ton with her dogs. And she's pretty, I mean, I think for anyone, like she's honest about, you know, she has, she doesn't have it all figured out now, you know, and, and she didn't have it figured out for the last 20 years. Right. And so she's always learning and, and she's still nervous at the start of races. And so I think for a lot of us hearing that, you know, someone who's at the top of the sport is experiencing the exact same thing as you, you know, you're not alone. Um, you know, it gets better over time, keep practicing, um, I think that's really good. And she had some really good thoughts around how you become good at something and, and just sort of the distraction of, I think, social media, but as a, a larger picture, just like you got to stay focused on that thing or those couple things. You know, if you're, you're a mother or a father and you're also training, you know, there's only so much we can do. And, you know, some of us get distracted by things like TV or social media or, you know, just a bunch of different stuff. So I think she has really good thoughts on, on the idea of focus and, and sort of that performance yeah I also loved she said a lot of girls come up to her like new to the sport and are like oh how do you how do you seem so relaxed during races how do you seem so like in control of yourself and her answer is always just like give it you know 15 years or so and you'll you'll get there yeah I think it was something like you should have seen me in the the last 15 years or something yeah you should have seen me two decades ago Uh, So yeah, I thought that was just a great episode. So of course, we'll link to all of those in the show notes if you missed them. Um, Okay, so we have another question about sort of, you know, we travel a lot and and people are just a little curious about, you know, how we pack, you know, sort of our backpacks and all our, you know, our large podcasting studio and and everything else that's required. So I guess, Molly, what is in your backpack? Oh, man, so many things. My backpack is ridiculous. Uh, The two things I 
came to mind immediately and I've written about this over on the outdoor edit is I always have a few things in there as far as like snacks go. Uh, and that's, I mainly carry my vital nutrients, collagen peptide, like single stick packets. Uh, it's 20 grams of really clean, easy protein that can be dissolved in coffee. So if I don't have time to deal with breakfast on the road, I can pour that in a cup of coffee and not want to punch someone in the face. Uh, the other thing is my amazing greens powder, also in individual packets. And Again, I just love that for kind of keeping a little bit healthier on the road. Um, and then, I, yeah, I always have my iPad because I do a ton of reading on the Kindle app on that, on the library app, and on Texture by Next Issue. Um, and it's this app where you can basically, you're basically using it as like Netflix for magazines. So I'm reading all of like bicycling and Canadian cycling and Canadian running and runner's world and outside magazine and kind of all of the athletic ones they have. And that's super cool. And let's see what else. Uh, always a notebook and a pen because we're pretty much always coming up with really dumb ideas that I need to write down. And I pretty much would fall apart if I didn't have a decent travel wallet. Right now I have a Rafa one that has my passport and all of my various important cards and stuff in it. And, and that was something that you were, you always, you had one and then we got it stolen. Uh, right? It got stolen when we got broken into. No, in that was my Rafa Trout, like, Essentials case. That's my regular uh, okay. wallet. Okay. Um, um, no, thankfully my travel wallet has never been stolen. It's a pretty hoity-toity wallet, but it's, yeah. it's nice to have that, that one piece that sort of keeps those critical elements all together. Yeah, Ellen Noble, uh, one of the riders on Aspire Racing, and I were laughing because she has one as well, and yesterday we were saying... She just got hers, and being in airports with it just makes you feel infinitely more grown up and pulled together, and like you, like you actually have your stuff together, and you're not just fumbling for your tickets and everything. Yeah, I think having so. so just to clarify, are you talking about the wallet, or are you talking about the passport wallet? The like passport the, wallet. Okay, good. That's what wallet. I thought you were talking about. Okay, so it's like a bigger sort of thing. Like it would hold like a full size envelope. Sort yeah, of size. exactly. And definitely, like I moved from like the dorky, like Manila, not Manila, but like sort of Manila. The colored. passport, like. Like yeah, like around your neck thing. thing. And I never wore it around my neck, but like that was what I kept my passport in. It was just like a flimsy sort of like awful. thing. And I mean, the upside is people aren't attracted to steal this like thing. But um, when I moved to, and it was just actually Molly's old. Hot pink travel it's, it's hot pink, so I can't lose it. But, you know, just something that's organized and you, you can keep a couple, you, know, you might have different currencies or, you know, I have, you know, different IDs and, you know, credit cards and stuff. And it's just like a nice way to organize yourself, you know, when you're going through that airport and travel situation where you know you need to find your passport you need to find your credit card to pay for your bike you need to find your driver's license now because they want to see that you know yeah. then you want to find american dollars then you need to find euros and so it's it's nice to have that that little organizer piece in in that larger backpack setup mm -hmm. oh i also always have noon tablets in mind because a if you have like a kind of dehydrated day they're nice and it's just like especially if you're drinking kind of trashy tasting hotel water it's kind of a nice way to make it taste less terrible um and on the plane too like on the, the plane it sort of helps you drink more which is really like i i don't generally need them but when you're on the plane it's just so hard to drink and i end up with headaches usually so i find throwing that into like a big jug of water either yeah. when we get there or if we can organize that at the airport it sort of helps me just get through enough water that you know i sort of get rid of that headache or, or avoid it Added bonus, uh, great for hangovers. The holidays are coming. <laughs> yeah, I guess. All right. 
Peter? I wonder if it's the noon tablet or if it's the increased consumption of water. I think it's both. The electrolytes definitely help. I guess maybe help maybe with the absorption of the water. Mm -hmm. I guess what I would be curious about is like would lemon with like sea salt in a big jug of water do the same thing? Yeah, but I wouldn't want to drink it. It's delicious. Yeah. Anyway. So my backpack. I've had the same backpack for a while. Uh, I'm pretty... uh, You just get my hand-me-downs of everything. Yeah, you never really used this one, but it was a hand-me-down. I mean, I carry your bags. I guess that's my my career. Um, So my bag, basically I have a, a small front pocket that I put all my receipts in it. So that acts as sort of my weekly or monthly or or trip sort of receipts i just jam all the receipts from the entire trip the plane tabs everything this front small pocket it's not really a big deal if they get stolen so i'm always very cognizant of that with traveling what's on the outside pockets that people can like you know pickpocket you on then there's another small pocket behind that one and that's where i keep some like hot sauce packets some mustard packets um i think probably some noon packets are in there maybe like a little protein powder packet maybe a greens powder so that if molly needs a greens powder i can give it to her but i also don't mind them sometimes Ooh, i also Um, always have salt in my purse i have salt in case molly needs salt (laughs) (laughs) um then there's a couple bars of different types so i like to have a bar like a, a epic bar which is more of like jerky so it's very like it's dried meat basically so if it's not a very active day i'll try and have that because it's higher protein uh lower on the carbohydrates and grains in the sugar um and then i'll usually have something like a cliff bar or something you know more carby more active sort of if i do need to you know get a more more meal more energy whatever sort of that needed or just go ride or run uh, and i need something um what else is in that food packet oh and i have a list coffee buddy it's basically like it's more like what you would steep tea with so it's possible to steep loose leaf tea but you can also grind coffee put it in pour and it basically sits on the top of the cup and then you just pull this whole thing. Um, it's almost, I guess it's like a, a tea bag basically that you just put it in, but it, it's got like a plastic circle that sits on top of your cup. So it's a little weird. It's like an emergency coffee situation. And it's saved me a few times um, where we've had zero ways to make coffee, but coffee and a grinder. And it, it's basically the size of what, like two business cards. It's very thin. Yeah. To be fair, you could also use like a stocking or a knee high and just use that instead. You could, but the coffee buddy is made for this purpose and it sits nicely on top of your cup. Mm-hmm. Um, what else do I have in there? I usually have some tea. We all have like some bedtime tea, some ginger, some, I have like a turmeric ginger I really like. Um, and then usually I'm very picky about uh, English breakfast tea. So I usually have a few of those. I don't like Earl Grey. So it's sort of those things and I guess that that pocket is really just to make do and make food better so the hot sauce mustard for you know flavoring something you know with you know low calories but like I really like hot sauce so having that and because it's hard to get some places and the bars so that you could have like the bet the best option if you get like you're on an airplane and the food all sucks or it's really expensive you have like an option um you have an option for coffee oh and then I have these little toothbrush things that are like temporary like not temporary but like one-time use sort of toothbrushes which are really nice like yesterday on the airplane for eight or nine hours uh, of travel and I sort of was able to brush my teeth and and feel a little nicer if you have to sleep or something like that Mm -hmm. so that's all that and then I have basically another pocket that's like chargers wow you're really like just giving the full rundown I just just, I think there's some good stuff so I got like the European I just picked like three things my sunglasses are in that one and then I have the main compartment which is laptop notebook Um, and my Kindle. So I have a paper white Kindle, so no light at night. And then my back pocket, which you can't really access for your pickpockets, is my wallet. 
If and anyone wants to rob if you see Peter, me, you can try and get into that pocket, <laughs> and then my my passport wallet. So that's my backpack. All right, very nice. A little excessive, but eh, people sometimes like that that like really tight, like in depth. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. My favorite part of magazines is historically the back page where they do like the "What's in your bag." I remember right. Mary Kate and Ashley did one one time for like Jane magazine. Yeah, I mean, like GQ, I think has that every it. single time. So there you go. Yeah. Anyway, okay, on to listener questions. Um, first one. What? Talking about oh, okay. talking about cross training, and this yeah. is from someone. So I, it's a odd thing, and I actually admitted it to this client when they asked. It's a newer client coming on, so there's always sort of like uh, the getting started phase. So that's usually the first two weeks at least, and then the first month or two is definitely like figuring out coaching and maybe following a training plan if someone hadn't done it. So this client asked, which was a reasonable question, like what is what I write as the letter X train. So cross training, but I've just for some reason always just wrote it as X train. Um, and so I first clarified with that client that they understood it was cross training. So this idea, I mean, in some ways the consummate athlete concept, but doing sports other than your main sport. So this was a cyclist. So cross training would then be running, skiing, you know, not necessarily strength training, but strength training would fall in underneath that, I guess. Um, so he, he did understand that and thought it was comical. I had to clarify that, but uh, cross training. So his then further question beyond sort of that, the semantics, I guess, is uh, what do you do for cross training? You know, especially if you're someone who's like a cyclist, you've cycled your whole life. You maybe can't run because you have some knee hip issues. You know, it's a lot of my clients, uh, you know, maybe some ankle calf stuff. You're, you know, getting to your 40s. That Achilles tendon isn't great. Um, you know, what can you do if you're in a city, which a lot of us are, you know, and you can't just snowshoe out your door or ski out your door. Uh, running, like I say, isn't an option. So what do you do, you know, and I mean, we're presuming here that you're in an off season, maybe in a snowy environment, you know, what are you going to do? And th this, I guess, relates to our, our holiday challenge too. Like what are some options, you know, for this consummate athlete lifestyle? So what would you do if you were in the city and you were looking to cross, you know, maybe you're a runner or, or someone, you know, a team sports athlete that's running based, but you, you know, you can only run so much, even if you're not, you know, even if you don't have any hip issues. For sure. I mean, I'm always a fan of swimming for cross training. Um, I think it's low impact. Pretty much everybody can benefit from it. And it's kind of a skill that you should continually be practicing, even if it's not frequent but it's nice to be able to snap <laughs> yeah and i mean cities would be better than like our my challenging complaint through our entire iron man thing is we live usually in the country and you know finding a pool is a pain when we're actually at home it's not bad it's only you know a five ten minute walk to the pool but you know their hours suck though but in a lot of the iron man prep we were actually living more in the country so it was like a 30 40 minute drive to get to the pool a lot of days yeah so that was a bit of a hassle so that's a good one and i mean swimming is good in a lot of ways it's not you know loading your bones and you know so it's not as stressful on your body but you have to practice breathing as well which is nice yeah i don't really know anyone who can't swim like has just like I mean, maybe someone needs to take some swimming lessons, but like, I can't think of any well, type of issue where like you you could have an there. overhead issue that would limit freestyle, but then you could always do breaststroke or or you know 
some sort of modification in the pool for sure. Yeah. Water running would be an option then at the pool. Yeah. And I did an article actually on deep water running for Matt My Run earlier this year. And that was actually like a huge eye opener because it's no impact, but you're still getting the same feeling as running. I was shocked by how crazy it felt. So worth trying that too. And I know probably there's a lot of uh, pools putting programming on like try swimming, pu- free public swimming. Mm-hmm. I know our pool, it never, we, I'm very picky about when I go swimming, but there was a couple of free, you know, mm-hmm. public swims, but I mean, to get exposed to swimming and move around for an hour, you could certainly do that. Bring the kids. Yeah. Um, and then the, and other... the water running, they're probably doing promotional stuff or, or try your first one or something here coming into the new year. So that's, that's a great idea. Yeah. And then the other obvious one for me is always going to be yoga. I mean, whether you're going to a class or you're using something like uh, Aaron Taylor's jazz yoga has classes online and I Some use the YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. I use yoga glow, which is basically like Netflix, Netflix for yoga videos. And that's well, been and awesome. You could do Ryan Leach connection, which we both mm-hmm. do a bit of online coaching on, uh, for skills for the bike, but he, there's also several yoga and strength training things as part of that membership. And it's, I think free for the first month. And Ryan Leach was on the podcast now twice. So if you want to look that up, we'll link to it too, but his offers some some yoga classes and stuff too yeah i think it's what ryan one is the code or something we'll, we'll so. double check I'll and put, put that, that in the show too. notes yeah, yeah yeah so i think there's there's lots of kind of easy options the other thing i was thinking that's easier in a city is you could definitely join like a co-ed league right and, and part yeah. of this consummate athlete concept is that you're also socializing right mm-hmm. and um, oh, our good friend Betsy actually plays tennis like three times a week with coworkers in the morning ahead of work. Sure. So tennis would be an option too, you know, if you're in a city. But, you know, I have a few clients that are really big, like Ultimate. We've had an Ultimate podcast. So you can go back. That was one of the really early ones with Scott Hasty. But something like Ultimate or soccer where it's like you're on the field because it's co-ed. Um, or, or sorry, like recreational, not necessarily co-ed. But um you're running the whole time basically Mm -hmm. right so that's to me that's really good cross training where you're conditioning your body a bit to that side to side that explosive on off motion um and some of that stuff's really people really get into that that sort of team sports uh stuff so that could be really good for cross training especially for someone who's more of a like classical steady endurance athlete Mm -hmm. um that's gonna be really complementary to a lot of yeah. I'd also say indoor rock climbing, but I'd stick to more bouldering versus top roping where you can, boulderings where you don't have any kind of harness, so you don't need someone to belay you. You're just on really short, like lower to the ground routes. So you can pretty much go really hard for a while and it doesn't rely on taking turns where you get to climb for like 10 minutes out of every hour. Yeah. And I, I differentiate with rock climbing a bit sometimes, like Sometimes I'll include that more as someone's strength training, mm. um, depending on how they do it. Some of the people I have will go and it's at like a gym, so they'll maybe ride a spin bike for a bit to warm up and then do like maybe some warm up strength and mobility calisthenic stuff and then climb for whatever they can climb for, 20 to 60 minutes, mm-hmm. and then finish with like maybe another spin down or something. And so to me, that's okay. That's, that's building a bit of work capacity, which is sort of when I look at cross training um, and really training generally, it's like, I want to know how much work you can do in a day. Um, and so certainly rock climbing takes energy to do and, and quality to do. Um, but the question is how you're doing it and what the adaptation would be. Sure. So I think it, it's a great option for sure. But that's, you know, if you're trying to, it's just really what you're trying to get out of it. If you're trying to cross train for cycling or running, it might be more serve as your, your strength training, but then you're getting into how much of it is your upper body getting built. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that would be one, but it's certainly an option for our consummate athlete Christmas challenge. 
Um, I think we're also just overlooking just simply walking. Like, walk your walk to the grocery store and then farmers carry back two bags. Well, and that's... For the, my Canadian or snowbound athletes, like, the, if a lot of them can't run. You know, we're getting older. We never ran. We, you know, didn't like running. So the walking is the place to start. And too often we're, in, you know, we're, oh, we're fit people. We're just going to go and run. We get injured instantly. Oh, running sucks. I hate running. I can't run. But starting with that walking and just, you know, if there's a little uphill, you know, trudge up that uphill fast and get breathing a little bit, you know, periodic, like 30 second runs. Um, you know, again, increasing that work capacity over the course of the day, not necessarily even in a big workout is, is a great idea. Yeah, for um, sure. I think the only other note I'll leave is for someone who's, you know, maybe a cyclist or a runner, you know, they're running the treadmill inside. It's really snowy. They're in the city. They can't really, you know, or it's cold. They're in the city. They can't get outside too much because of work or, you know, they have a baby they're watching. Um, the other thing I'll do to sort of augment the cross training aspect for someone who's like stuck in that main sport, isolated inside. So they're on a trainer on their bike or they're running is we'll just mix it up. So you'll make a circuit so you could run for four minutes, hop off and do four minutes of, you know, planks, squats, you know, strength, calisthenics, um, for someone on a bike, same thing. You could jump off push ups. you know, maybe lunges. If you're in mountain bike shoes, you could take off your shoes. You could switch your shoes too. Like there's no reason you can't spend 30 seconds doing that. Um, so just sort of mixing it, like including your main sport in, um, in a circuit, mm-hmm. you know, could be a very effective sort of cardio training, cross training, metabolic training. Um, you know, if you look at the CrossFit world, right, like they do those long sort of burner workouts, 20 minutes plus where there might be a cycling or an aerodyne machine included, a rowing machine included in that, right? So I have a few clients that'll do that. They'll do 10 minutes even, you know, one client actually owns a gym, so he'll do like elliptical rower treadmill bike and just you know rotate he does two hours two and a half hours sometimes just rolling through and i did a lot of that in university too actually mm-hmm. okay perfect yeah i think that's a lot of ideas and what cross training is but yeah it's perfect okay next question should i set a new year's resolution so i'm like the world's biggest fan of resolutions so I, I kind of am of two minds on this. I actually just wrote a good article for, I'm going to say it's a good article, for Map My Run um, that came out December 1st that talked about why you should set your resolution for 2018 on December 1st instead of waiting until January 1st, um, mainly because it sort of heads off a lot of like the holiday uh, issue because I think a lot of us tend to look at January 1st as this weird reset that like we can gain 10 pounds over the holidays and get super out of shape and take an off like you know serious off season and you know if we just set it December 1st could we maybe mitigate so where we're not trying to lose the 10 pounds that we gained over the holidays I wrote an article, and we'll link to that too, about when should I start training for my goal. So I get that a lot. You know, Leadville's August 2018. I think it's like the 16th or something this year. Uh, so it's a 100-mile mountain bike race. Should I start? When should I start training? So a lot of people think like, uh, I'll start training in like March or something. And it's like, well, I mean, I would start training as soon as I could, right? Like it's like if, if you're going to get some sort of payoff or, or you're going to have a test and you have n- – right now you have, what is it, 10 months? Eight, like eight, months? eight, nine months. I would start walking now if I had to get someplace by August 10th, if you know, you're going to pay me a bunch of money when I get there, or there's going to be again, a payoff. So I'm going to succeed at Leadville. I'm going to put all this money into this preparation mm-hmm. rather than trying to cram for it. Right. Like why wouldn't I start 
doing and it might be you know just an element of that race i might just start building you know my cycling fitness or my you know whatever my limitation is going to be um you know start thinking about the race booking stuff for it so i think if you have time you may as well start right because it's it's much harder to get less fit you know at a certain point and then and start going or if you gain 10 pounds and then we're gonna have to lose 15 exactly it's a lot harder than five so yeah i mean yeah i think that's where we get into a trap of you know the athlete mindset versus you know not being part of athletics is you know we're we're looking for this milestone or this deadline right or start date i think is the biggest thing yeah like okay well I really want to lose weight, but like, I'll wait till the new year to start doing that. Like, or you could just, you know, be a little bit more cautious over the holidays at your family parties. And, you know, you can still set the new year's resolutions, but I think we make the mistake of like putting the start date in this future thing. So we don't actually have to deal with it ever. Yeah. So also, I, I don't know if I, I'm, I'm mixed on resolutions, I think. Well, the stats on them are not super great. It's like only, I think, 48% of people say that they keep them beyond the first month. And I is think that 48% of the people that set them or 48% of the people that set them. Oh, I think okay. that is actually severely overblown personally. I think maybe 10% of New Year's resolutions actually get kept and met, if yeah. not less. Um, but of course, this was like a survey done by surveying like 2,500 people. It wasn't a massive undertaking. Not a lot of studies have been done about New Year's resolutions, honestly. Yeah. I mean, what do you think? I mean, our, our, our consummate athlete Christmas challenge is an example of this. Um, you know, the seven day challenge, 30 day challenge, 21 day challenge. You I know. love a good challenge. Um, you know, I think that's it's a good way. It's like a small experiment, right? And that's really all we're doing is we're seeing, okay, well, if I don't eat dairy for this month i was just gonna say i don't eat for this month it's like peter we need to talk you know is that or if i try this type of interval for a month right but it it needs to be long enough that you sort of you see some sort of benefit and if you're seeing a benefit if the experiment's successful then presumably you're going to continue but i think when it's that full year like your your experiment is like i'm gonna or maybe it's not even for the year maybe it's forever like starting this you know new year's i'm never gonna have a piece of cake in my life again And that's, I don't even really like cake that much, but that's like, huh, but what if there's a really good cake in the future, right? Like, how am I going to deal with that future self, you know, versus if I'm just like, "Mm, I'm just going to not have cake this week or, or in the case of our challenge, I'm going to move for 60 minutes every day this week, you know, for eight days, you know, Molly and Peter putting out this challenge, trying to help me get through the the holidays. What, how am I going to feel? You know, is that going to help, you know, maybe that's, that occupies 60 minutes of that family party where you know maybe it's tempting to get into the snacks and stuff and instead of eating snacks we were outside you know we're feeling good yeah maybe that accomplishes a lot of things just all i had to do was go out and move and it takes care of some of that snacking and you know maybe overconsumption. so to me that that small experiment don't not forever just that small experiment yeah i think the best way to answer this question though is like if you've set new year's resolutions in the past and it's gone really really well Awesome. You're great at resolutions. Congratulations. Keep doing what you're doing. If you have set resolutions every year and never kept a single one, unless you change something and like hire a coach or find an accountability partner or, you know, really change how you're going about setting them, setting them isn't going to make you stick to them if you've historically never stuck to them before. So kind of knowing what works for you and what doesn't. 
Right. And so in this idea of the seven day challenge, we're also, we'll have more details on this coming up, but we're, we're going to have a sort of week long seven day, like sort of jumpstart your, your health, you know, nutrition, sort of similar consummate athlete sort of movement strategy. So just by email, just get one email per day, um, just to help you sort of get through that, that sort of process. So We'll, we'll link through that through the, you know, as we approach that new year for sure, but you can sort of look for that to come up on the Consummate Athlete site and then also, where yeah. else are we going to put that? Uh, on, pretty on, much everywhere. So, so on the outdoor edit, Molly, I'll tweet it to at Molly J. Herford yep. on Twitter. Yeah, so look for that. We're going to announce more about it next week. But yeah, basically it's a seven-day healthy habit kickstart guide. So if you're, you know, you kind of are aware that you've been training for a while and you know that you have some lifestyle stuff that's keeping you from meeting your training goals, that's where this this guide is, you know, going to really shine. So And it's sort of a reminder. It's sort of like yeah. you're, you're a little accountable. Um, I mean, you can always reply and email us, I guess, to the email. Um but that's uh, maybe another point is the concept of accountability. So sometimes, you know, if you're going to do a big race in the summer and then you tell a bunch of people and maybe you have a few friends doing it too, you know, that's going to help motivate that, right? So maybe thinking, you know, when we're setting these goals or deciding what we want to do, not just thinking about this is a, a Spartan race, a mud run I'm going to do in July, Um but think about, you know, is this sport, is this something that's going to fit into my lifestyle? You know, what are the barriers to me doing it? And then is there ways, you know, is there a weekly strength class? You know, at the gym in Collingwood, we have a couple of different classes that would work decent for that. You know, could you go to the Tuesday and Thursday class and know that every you're going to sign up right now when you're motivated? And then every Tuesday and Thursday, you've already paid and the instructor is expecting you. So now your success is insured. You know, we do two month blocks, I think, at the gym. You could probably sign up as long as you wanted. I'm sure they'll they'll let you sign up. And so that now you're committed to that goal, but you're also going to make friends and connections and stuff and, you know, maybe have a few friends who are doing the race with you. You know, and if you tell a lot of people, you know, I'm doing the Mud Run Super Challenge, mm-hmm. you know, so that's going to hold you accountable to that goal. And hopefully, you know, that's going to feed into any weight loss or feeling better, sleeping better sort of goals you also have on the side. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Cool. And we'll link to a bunch of our various articles we've written over the last couple of years about resolutions and goal setting and a couple of our podcast episodes that have been sort of similar to this as well. Sure. Okay. So the next question, uh, I actually got this from a person who's looking, looking to do their first Ironman next year. And he asked about buying a cheap tri bike on Craigslist. And he sent me a couple of the options and they were all in the thousand dollar range. And my response to him, so he asked if any of them were worth it. And I wanted to kind of share my response because I think this is something a lot of triathletes or cyclists looking to do a triathlon run into is the, what do I do about a bike? And in my opinion, and Peter can chime in here as well. I think if you're not willing to spend a fair amount on a tri bike, you're so much better off just getting your road bike as dialed as you can for the triathlon. So I raced Ironman Whistler on just my Trekamonda with aero bars that we had put on and the shifters got like hooked into the aero bars. They weren't just like the $30 ones that, you know, screw on, but you still have to shift from your hoods. They were, you know, nicely done. That was the biggest concession that I made to aero 
for that race. Yeah, it, it's a tough one. I think probably when you read the advice and any articles about Ironman, there's like two main things: like get a bike fit and um, don't overdo the pre-race expo, which I always find comical. But I can see like it's pretty attractive, and they route you through it, and you have to kill a whole week where you can't train, and you've been training a lot for the last you know year. You feel like you really deserve every piece of swag yeah yeah and there's all this new stuff so it's distracting you buy something you never used and your race goes awry so that's that's an aside and an important piece if you're going to do triathlon um but for the bike you know our race was very hilly so molly's choice made more sense because aero was important but not critical the bike weight was pretty important like there was what was it six thousand feet i think two thousand yeah. meters plus like it was a hilly hilly race like there was a couple good five ten minute climbs um, this is in Whistler, so I mean it's a hilly area. Um, so so Molly's choice made more sense there than it might at say an Arizona, like you know type race, Florida race, where the arrow becomes more important and you have to be super comfortable. But I'm gonna stand by a thousand dollar tri bike is never gonna be a hundred percent. So good. <laughs> what I would say though is I would go, I would build up my road bike. Um, make it arrow and get a bike fit. So that second piece of common advice is to get a professional bike fit. Make sure you're comfortable. You're not going to have a saddle sore, back pain, knee pain. You know, you're producing the most amount of power you can in an aerodynamic-ish position. And for most of us who don't have, you know, the time to spend in arrow training for hours and hours a day to simulate that full Ironman sort of condition like a pro would, um, you know, and we're not going as fast as the pros are. We're not going 40 kilometers an hour in most cases, right? Like a lot of people, when I watched, you know, the end of that, especially the last half of that Whistler stuff, like after I was done, like I finished around just over 10 hours and there's people that finish at 17. So in that, and that's a big proportion of the race, I think. It's um, a lot of time on your bike. Well, it's also the speed is getting so d- slower, right? Like I, what was my speed was like 35 kilometers an hour. So as you get slower and slower, the aerodynamics becomes less and less. And what you wonder with those people, like you see them standing up, you know, on the bike to stretch out their hips and their back. So just having a like reserve position on a comfortable bike, you know, maybe, you know, now with all this sort of suspension, like the Trek de Mane and stuff, you know, getting a bike that's comfy, you really like works really well. And it's light. Um, I think that's so you're just going to have a bike better. that works really, really well. Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, if you have a sort of janky, you know, $500, $1,000, any bike, um, you know, you just run the risk of it not working great, having outdated components. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would get it set up. You know, we went to Dundas speed shop in Dundas, Ontario. Shout out to Scott Kelly. Um, which is actually pretty accessible if you're in like a Buffalo area, something like that to cross the border if you needed to. Um, but there's lots of good bike fitters all around. Um, and, and just get that bike set up again for that peak sort of power so that you can put that power out for like four hours so it's probably higher than you want to slam that bar mm-hmm. um, but that's that's what i would do if you only had a thousand dollars and you already have a road bike i would put a thousand dollars into some coaching and you know bike fit bike fit and that coaching just in the limiter event so for me that was swimming um i put in a bunch of money to get coaching um and then we did the bike fit as well. I was really glad he asked that question, though, because I know the temptation is there to like, oh, I'm going to do a triathlon. I need a tri bike. So it was nice to kind of be able to offer some advice that might save the guy's race. Um, I know I raced on a really cheap tri bike for a lot of years before I finally realized that my regular road bike weighed 10 pounds less 
and with clip-on arrow bars was fine. Well, and there's a lot of setup stuff too, right? That like the arrow helmet is one thing. So the arrow helmet helps a lot. You could definitely do wheels. If you had a little extra money, you could probably get decent wheels. You can even rent the wheels. Sure, you could rent wheels, borrow wheels. Like I had borrowed wheels. I decided not to use them because I didn't get to use them enough ahead of the race. But uh, you could probably convince someone to let you borrow wheels for a month, right? Like it's if you're doing a later season one, road season's probably done. A cyclocross racer might not need, you know, if they have some some wheels. Um, I had another thought on that arrow. Oh, and then set up things like putting your bottle between your arms on the arrow bar and just, you know, either not on the frame or just the, the down to the down tubes, I think the most drag. So you could put, you know, I think I ran one on the seat tube, um, as well, but definitely the behind the seat one is very sheltered as well. So do a bit of research around aerodynamics and it's surprising how much you can cut just in like a helmet which you need to have a helmet you should probably get a new helmet every now and then it helps in the cold weather to have an arrow helmet if you are racing cyclocross and stuff too maybe um so look at that right like there's a lot of things you can do to cut that aerodynamic drag if that's you know where your interest is without without getting a full tri bike yeah awesome all right uh next question here um we have this guy who's actually does uh smaller 10 pin bowling called skittles it's a british sport and he said he's doing it for fun and similar to his cyclocross and mountain biking it's just for fun but he gets the world's worst pre-race during race and even post-race anxiety um so he's asking about kind of calming race day nerves and i can definitely as soon as i saw this i messaged him back and i was like oh my gosh i can completely relate because peter has seen me at the beginning i think every single race that he's seen me do has within five minutes of the start is me going, why did I sign up for this? What is wrong with me? Why would I ever do this? And then I get going and I'm good. Yeah. And I mean, I think we have a few podcasts that'll help with that. So thinking back, like I think the peak performance one would be helpful. Uh, and then we have the couple sports psychologists, uh, performance consultants on. So Denal Kabush, Tracy Stannard and the brave athlete author, brave athlete folks are, are very good for that too. And that book might be really good actually. And you might, is he British? Yep. So he might get their humor. Yeah, he I already, that, I already huh? recommended that one. I'm not. Gonna oh, okay, lie. perfect. So that's the brave athletes. Really good for that. There's some really neat sort of techniques and stuff there around visualization and, mm-hmm. and pretending you're, you know, a, a confident, more confident version of yourself. Um, I think practically my best advice for it is going to be about like pre-race rituals and routines, because the only times I've ever been comfortable with racing is actually when I've completely dialed what i'm doing pre-race and i know exactly what i'm doing um so you know what i'm eating what i'm when i'm gonna go to the porta potty what i'm gonna what i'm gonna do for warm-up all that kind of stuff and you dial that not at the race right no that's and that's i I really like people to like not every day can't be exactly the same but it should be similar when you eat um you know in endurance sport when you eat and stuff is a little more critical maybe than the bowling but i mean I wouldn't want to be digesting food, especially if your stomach's a little disrupted. So, I yeah. mean, planning your meal timing, what's that pre-race meal? You know, when are you getting, you know, to the thing? Are you going and practicing, you know, once or twice a week? I assume you are, but, you know, sometimes that's it too. Like, if we're not confident in our ability, then mm-hmm. that can be it. And maybe, you know, set up a practice and go with some other people you know, some other competitors, you know, show up once or twice a week and, and do, you know, a bit of like a, a practice match, right? So that you've done that routine. Yeah. You know, because a lot of times that's it is like we just haven't trained specifically enough. And this is speaking a bit from endurance sport. But, you know, if we always bowl alone, we always ride alone, we always run alone. The second you run with people, ride with people, bowl with people, that's 
now a whole other level, right? But if you always go out with a run group or to a, you know, pick up bowling league, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's going to help a lot too. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think other things. That I have like. two other tips that have worked for me. Uh, so the one is like, I'm a really weird fidgeter. So now before a race, the way I calm myself down is like, I tap my thumb to all four of my other fingers and just do that a few times. And for some reason that like helps me reset and like refocus my brain and calm down. So it's sort of like a moving meditation in a lot of ways, because that feeling just is now what I do to calm down. So anytime you see me, if I'm doing that, like before a talk or something, just know that it's because I'm nervous. I've heard people more in public speaking, but like rubbing their hands together and stuff yeah. too, like really going after that has supposed to help. But... I think it's some kind of reflexology thing to some extent, but to me, yeah, it's just the ritual of doing that is what I do. So when I'm at a triathlon, if you watch me waiting to go in the water, like waiting for the gun to go off, I'm always doing that. Well, was that was that in the Brave Athlete? I it, feel like something like that was like, or tapping your finger. Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, tapping yeah. your finger is in the so Brave Athlete. So like in the middle of like a hard effort, you know, or, or something like that, you tapping your finger can help you mentally sort of distract yourself a bit to mm-hmm. get through. So I guess that's why I So that I was do one it. thing. What was your other thing? My other thing is interesting. So the best example I have of this is actually the Xterra that I've done for the past four years in Ontario. Um, Every year, except for this year, either Peter or both Peter and his dad have been there with me. Um, But then this year, I actually went completely by myself because Peter had another thing that day. And it it was one of those things where all of a sudden I realized I do much better when I'm solo at races. Uh, as far as race anxiety goes, because I didn't have anyone to talk to. So I didn't have anyone to start getting nervous to. I didn't have anyone to like try to entertain. I didn't have anyone to chat with. So I got to be completely in my own head. And I'm a super introverted person by nature. So for me, that was an, it was like a game changer. I suddenly realized I was a lot happier doing that. Um, versus having people around even when those people are awesome and super helpful and like are there for me so I think in the future I know I need to kind of take a little bit more time for myself even when people are with me uh just kind of go into my own little zone and you might be the opposite you might be an extrovert who going to races alone is what's causing you the anxiety because you don't have somebody to talk to could be could be social I think the only other thing that I sometimes give folks is like it is normal you know we talked about Katarina Nash talking about being nervous and you know if you're not nervous at a competition you know that arousal curve so arousal is it might sound odd but they call it the inverted U of arousal and so basically you know you want to be aroused optimally aroused for or excited arousal is a comical word but that is what is used in the literature and so you want to be you don't want to be overexcited where you're you know making mistakes but you also don't want to be bored right mm-hmm. so it is good if you're not excited it means you don't care so sometimes just reframing it which sounds you know just pretend it's a good thing and it'll go away but sometimes just acknowledging like oh it's it's good like i'm getting excited for the race i'm getting like amped up for the race so reframing it so like yeah i'm really excited and then your routine that we started this answer with um, is where you sort of optimize that arousal, mm-hmm. you know, the warm up procedure you have, you know, maybe you throw a few, a few balls or, and get sort of warm up and sort of like ready in the zone. Yeah. And then actually the last thing I just thought of is he's also mentioning he's anxious after. So I think having a post race ritual, whether it's using like the Oak meditation app for like 10 minutes to kind of calm your mind down and 
chill yourself out or having a chiller playlist to put on is this, he's nervous at the event or he's nervous he before during and after he says like, yeah i mean if he's at the event i don't know i mean you can still take you can sneak to your car for five minutes and just do some deep breathing like five minute meditation just to like calm i guess down. yeah unless it's social like because the social situation it, that could be sort of odd if you, you don't can even go to the washroom though and just close yourself in the stall for a minute and do some deep breathing um, yeah, just to recenter, for yeah. sure. Yeah, and sometimes, you know, at the end of a race or something, you know, sometimes it's nice to just go for a spin and sort of wind down. Yeah, so I think just, yeah, thinking about what you're doing after the race, because okay. a lot of people just collapse. I think that's good on that one. So we don't want to go on who, do you want to do those other ones, or, or what do you... I think our last thing I just want to mention is uh, I had it on here to talk about favorite fitness and adventure gifts that you'd want to give or get, um, but actually I have a pretty extensive gift guide over at the outdoor edit so we'll have a link to that in the show notes and it's for kind of all different athletes the consummate athletes if you will sure uh, men women all different price ranges a lot of really fun stuff on there a lot of cool businesses to support so yeah definitely check that out and i think we'll we'll leave it off there so definitely again check the show notes for all the details on the hashtag consummate athlete christmas 500 minutes of movement between the 24th and the 31st. Uh, make sure you're posting, tagging us, posting to our Facebook, all of that jazz. Uh, we've got a ton of prizes and cool stuff. And it's just, you know, a good for you thing to be doing. So. Awesome. And as always, check us out on iTunes. If you could leave a review, that's great. Um, and also check out Wide Angle Podium and all the other great podcasts on the Wide Angle Podium. I believe they also have an app out now that can help you sort of find all those and, and listen to them outside of the iTunes environment, if you so enjoy getting out of the Apple environment. Um, yeah, I think that's that's about it. So thank you very much for listening this far or starting listening if this is your first one. And we'll see you again... Next week. Next week. On Christmas. Will, will it be on Christmas? It'll no. be on... Boxing Day. Boxing Day. Which, we'll see you on Boxing uh, Day. Not everyone knows Boxing Day, but the day after Christmas. <laughs> All right, guys. Happy holidays. Hey guys, before you go, we just wanted to have one quick word from our sponsor, Health IQ. Health IQ is a life insurance company that helps the consummate athlete, like you, save money on your life insurance. To find out more, you can check out healthiq.com slash C-A-P-O-D, that's C-A-P-O-D, for all the details and to take a free quiz. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Consummate Athlete Podcast. To check out all of the show notes for this show, go to consummateathlete.com. And to follow along with our various adventures on the social medias, you can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash consummateathlete or follow me, Molly Herford, at Molly J. Herford on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm at Peter Glassford on Twitter and Instagram. And if you could do us a huge favor and rate and review the podcast over on iTunes, that helps us bring on more guests, you know, get more episodes out and do more cool stuff. So we would be forever grateful. And if you're looking for coaching for endurance sport or just for health and wellness, uh, you can check out smartathlete.ca. And for amazing outdoor content, you can check out theoutdooredit.com. Aw, honey. And that's theoutdooredit.com for Molly Herford's writing and all things outdoors. All right. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and we'll see you next time.